Lord, to whom shall we go? You, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. So help us now to hear and obey what you have to say to us today. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our exploration of the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, we read these words of Jesus to his disciples. Jesus says this, When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're on week four of studying the Lord's Prayer, and many of you have been saying and praying through the Lord's Prayer for many, many years. And through that time, you may have noticed that the Lord's Prayer is pretty beautifully divided into two symmetrical parts. Have you ever noticed that? They're called two tables, some Bible scholars say. The first half, or the first table, has three petitions with the word your. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. The first half, or the first table, is focused all on the Father. The Father's glory, the Father's kingdom, the Father's will. And then you transition to the second half, or the second table, and that shifts to us, or human petitions. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Do not bring us to the time of trial. Rescue us from the evil one. Have you ever noticed that, that division in the prayer? So the past three weeks, we have been exploring the first table, the your petitions. This week, we move into the second table, the us petitions. And the first thing to know as we make that transition into the us petitions, right out of the gates, is that the order of these petitions is foundational. Before we ever get to our human concerns, we first pray for God's honor, for God's kingdom, for God's will to be done. Praying in this way helps to align our own human desires and it helps our own needs radar to be in sync with God's will for the world. And this is really, really important. Jesus that shows us that prayer isn't just about coming to God with our laundry list of requests, as if God were some cosmic Santa or cosmic genie whose main purpose is simply to grant our personal wishes for a comfortable life. Rather, Jesus teaches that in prayer, we are first to submit ourselves under God's reign, to first align ourselves with God's glory, God's kingdom ways, God's will for the earth, 
And then, once we have done that, then we are ready to pray the us petitions. Then we are ready to pray for our human needs and concerns. So the order is crucial. Jesus is teaching us that the theological concerns of the first half are foundational, not just for prayer, but for our entire lives. As Jesus says later in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the Lord's Prayer helps us to do that. So the order is crucial. And yet, and yet, the Lord's Prayer absolutely does not overlook or downplay human needs. No, quite the opposite is true. The second half of the Lord's Prayer, the us petitions, they are just as long as the first half. And in this, Jesus is teaching us that human needs are very important to God. You are very important to God. Your needs are very important to God. So it is not selfish to pray for physical, social, personal needs. It is, in fact, Jesus' command to bring these things to God in prayer. This is in line with God's will because God's will for all of creation is shalom. And shalom, it means peace and well-being for all creation in all aspects. So to pray for God's will to be done is to pray for the well-being of all the world. And what this means, what this means is that true worship of God can never be socially irrelevant. Rather, true worship of God, praying for God's glory, God's kingdom, God's will to be done, it always leads us to action. It always leads for us to pray for and to act for the well-being of all this world that God so loves. That's what the Lord's Prayer teaches us. So having spent the last three weeks focused on the first half of the Lord's Prayer, the your petitions, we now move into the second half, praying for human needs. The first petition in this second half is, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. I don't know about you, but when I first say this line, when I'm honest, my first honest gut response is to not give it much thought. Have you ever thought that? That's my honest, uh, it's when I don't think about it much, that can be my gut response. Because the truth is, I am incredibly fortunate. I don't often have to worry about not having enough to eat. My guess is that most of you probably don't either. So if we assume that this petition is just simply asking God to give me physical food each day, it seems like, well, that's covered, so I can move on to the next one, right? But there is so, so much more to this petition. Give us this day our daily bread. So to help us unpack this brief prayer, we're going to focus on three main words to see how rich, how big, how bold of a prayer this actually is. 
So we're going to focus on three main words, and those are us, bread, and daily. Us, bread, daily. It's only a seven-word prayer, so we're going to cover about half of them. (laughs) So first, us. So the first thing to know is it is absolutely crucial that we pray, give us, not give me. Give us, not give me. The second half of the Lord's Prayer are all us petitions, not me petitions, us. These prayers are focused on the well-being of all humanity. Not just me and not just my little social circle, but all of humanity. So when we pray, give us our daily bread, we are praying for everyone in the world to have daily bread. Give us our daily bread. So that's the first keyword, us. The second keyword that we'll look at is bread. This one is a little bit longer and denser. So if you thought we were going to snap through them really quick, you're like, we're going to be out really fast. This one, this one's a little bit denser. So the second word is bread. And in light of scripture's teachings, most Bible scholars agree that Jesus has two key ideas in mind when he says bread. Two, two ideas in mind. The first meaning of bread is the fairly obvious one. It's tangible, edible food that fills our bodies. It is a prayer that all people would have daily sustenance for their physical bodies. There's a funny phrase that says, I don't know if you've ever heard it, it's a funny phrase that says, don't try to be more spiritual than God. Don't try to be more spiritual than God. What that means is don't focus only on the spirit and neglect the body, either for yourself or for others, because God doesn't. God cares deeply about our spirits as well as our bodies. So remember that for 40 years in the wilderness, God provides the Israelites daily bread or manna to sustain their bodies. Later, Jesus performs the miracle of feeding the 5,000, filling the bellies of hungry people. God cares deeply about people being physically fed. And that's where this petition ought to make us stop dead in our tracks. Because the truth is we live in a day in which millions of people are starving. Therefore, this petition, give us this day our daily bread, is in reality a huge and bold petition. And as with all prayer, it is a prayer that calls us to Christian action. Because when we pray for God to act, we don't just sit idly by. We offer ourselves to God as willing vessels for God to answer these prayers through us. So this is an incredibly huge and bold petition. And here's why. The hard facts are that around the world today, more than enough food is produced to feed the global population. Way more than enough food to feed the global population. And yet, over 690 million people still go hungry. 690 million people almost 9% of the world globally, almost one out of 10 people in the world are starving physically. 
So we as Christians, as we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, have to acknowledge that almost one out of ten people in the world don't have daily bread. And then we have to ask, why? Why do some have so much food, including most of us, while others are dying of starvation? Here are some words from Martin Luther from the 1500s are very insightful. You didn't think Martin Luther would be really applicable to modern-day context, huh? But he's very applicable. He's very, very applicable. Martin Luther was a famous theologian and church leader of the Protestant Reformation. And um, this, this problem of not enough food for everyone has been a long-running problem, and he addressed it through this fourth petition in the Lord's Prayer. Martin Luther, he states that this fourth petition, this petition for daily bread, he calls it a political economic petition. A political economic petition. That's because bread costs money. Money requires work. Work requires good government, good business, good labor. Thus, Luther taught when we pray for bread, we are praying at the same time for, quote, everything necessary for the preservation of this life like food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, family, good government, and peace, and that God may preserve us from all sorts of calamities, sickness, pestilence, hard times, war, and the like, end quote. Luther, it's funny, he goes on to point out that we are not told to pray for our daily cake. We can give thanks to God, of course, when cake is given, but we may only legitimately pray for bread, that is, for necessities. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are in fact praying for all sorts of things. We're praying for political leaders. We're praying for economics. We're praying for the environment. We're praying for good business and labor practices. And then we as Christians are called to humbly offer ourselves to God as vessels for answering those prayers so that all people may have their daily bread, their daily necessities. A Swiss theologian named Ulrich Luz summarizes this by saying, the fourth petition, in turn, should be a goad to all kinds of creative, social, political, and economic action. The fourth petition is a perpetual call to social discipleship. The fourth petition is a perpetual call to social discipleship. Did you know that you were praying for all of this when you said those short seven words? (laughs) Give us this day our daily bread. This is in fact a huge, bold prayer when we step back and truly think about the reality of it. It is a huge, bold prayer to God that leads to huge, bold action for God's people. Give us this day our daily bread. So if it all seems really huge and big and you wonder, how do I even make a first step? Well, you are in luck because we have our hunger hike next Sunday, 12 p.m. If you missed the announcement, um, you can go back and watch it on YouTube, get on the um, e-bulletin, or just reach out to Wendy Maxson. So the reality is hunger is striking home a lot harder for many um, Americans right now because of the COVID pandemic. And so this hunger hike has a special importance this year because hunger is really, really hitting home. So this is a perfect way for us to live into this prayer for daily bread. 
for all people, is to help provide for that need, even in our local community. And then I encourage you to prayerfully think about other ways that you can be active in responding to this prayer for daily bread for all people. So that's the first aspect of the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. That's the first aspect, is asking God and then acting toward the daily provision of physical food for all people. But then there's a second aspect as well for this word bread. There's a second aspect that I, that I and most Bible scholars believe that Jesus had in mind too. And that second aspect is to pray for the daily spiritual bread. For all people, the spiritual bread for all humanity. Jesus says, I am the living bread. I am the living bread. Jesus also teaches us in his first temptation that human beings do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the second form this petition may take is a request for a spiritually starving world to be given the bread of the word of God, that is Jesus Christ himself. Thus, praying this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, it is a call for us to pray for all those who do not yet have this living bread, Jesus Christ. It calls us to pray for family members, friends, co-workers, as well as those who are far away, perhaps in countries where Christianity is forbidden. And as with the petition for physical bread, we here offer ourselves to God as vessels to answer that prayer through us. We pray, God, give me the courage and the wisdom to develop relationships of trust where Jesus Christ, the living bread, might be shared. We pray, God, give me the creativity and courage to step out to introduce Jesus to people near and far who don't yet know you. This is a prayer that calls us also to action, to offer the spiritual bread to all people. But this request, the request for daily spiritual bread, it is, of course, not just limited to those who do not yet know Christ, right? No matter how short or long you've been following the Lord, this is a deep need that all of us have, right? We all need God's daily manna. We all need Jesus Christ to sustain our souls day by day by day by day. It is absolutely true that a person can be very physically alive and spiritually dead. So we pray every day for Christ the living bread to give life to our souls. We pray for Jesus Christ to give us every day the grace, the hope, the love, the joy, the guidance that we need, all the food our soul needs to survive and thrive and grow. We all desperately need daily spiritual bread. There's a famous story of a young Christian man from the United States who went to Calcutta, India, 
to work with Mother Teresa. As you might know, um, Calcutta is a terribly oh sorry, Calcutta is a terribly impoverished place, and Mother Teresa devoted her life work to serving those who are some of the physically poorest of poor people in the world. And there was this young man named Shane Claiborne who went to work with Mother Teresa as a way of learning and growing in Christlikeness from her example. And Shane, when he was there, he, he learned so much. He writes extensively about it. But as his time in Calcutta was ending, and he's preparing to return to the United States, he had one question for his teacher. And that was, Mother Teresa, how can I be praying for you? Here you are, living among the poorest of the poor, and it is so, so hard. So how can I be praying for you? And Mother Teresa, you want to know her response? She just smiled at Shane, and she said, Oh, Shane, the real question is, how can I be praying for you? Because you see, here in this community, we may be physically poor, but spiritually, we are very, very rich. And that's because here in Calcutta, we know how dependent we are upon God. We know how dependent we are upon one another. You, however, you are returning to a land that is very physically rich, but suffers from the worst poverty of all, the poverty of loneliness. So many Americans have so much that they think that they can survive apart from God and apart from one another. And that leads to a spiritual poverty that is far worse than anything we experience here in Calcutta. So, Shane, the question is, how can I be praying for you? This story illustrates our desperate need to pray for daily spiritual bread. Because the truth is, when all of our physical necessities are met, as they are for many of us here, there's a very, very quick temptation to forget our dependence on God and to forget our interdependence with other people. There's a proverb, Proverb 38, 30, colon, 8, that says, Feed me only with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? So how do we avoid this trap? How do we escape the spiritual poverty of which Mother Teresa warned, of which the proverb warns? How do we not forget and deny God when our bellies are full? Well, we pray the Lord's Prayer. We pray for our daily bread. And here, daily is the key word. This is the last and third word we will explore this morning, daily. So throughout the centuries, a key way that Christians have avoided spiritual poverty is through daily 
present moment awareness of God. Being daily aware of God in every present moment. Because while physical poverty, lack of food, leads to a wasting away of the body, spiritual poverty, being disconnected from God, it leads to a wasting away of the soul, hopelessness, despair, loneliness, depression. Have you ever been there? Well, there is a remedy. There is food for our souls. And part of it is to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And it helps to keep our souls from wasting away in a few important ways. The first way that this petition keeps us from spiritual poverty is by reminding us of the source of our physical nourishment, which is God. So every time we take a bite or sip something to drink, it is an incredible opportunity to thank God for this gift of nourishment, to connect with God who is its source, because it is God who keeps us alive. We can sometimes forget that. We live in a culture that is far too hurried, far too overstuffed with everything, and it causes us to overlook God's tremendous provision in every aspect of life. Have you ever thought, where is God? Well, think about the food you're eating, the water you're drinking, the air you're breathing. There is God providing for you each and every moment. We're just too busy and too overstuffed to give acknowledgement to it. If you've ever visited a physically impoverished place, you've seen firsthand that food and water are not taken for granted. There is much greater appreciation that all that went into growing and preparing and transporting that food and water. In places like that, it is a huge gift, a huge celebration, a time of an immense gratitude when you get clean water or nourishing food. It is a wonderful time of connection with God and gratitude to God. But we tend to take that for granted. And we miss our opportunity to, get, to connect with God, our provider. And then we wonder, where is God? I know many of us say prayers before mealtimes. But what if we actually, actually were mindful, like truly mindful of what a tremendous gift this food and drink is? What if we viewed every single bite as an experience of Christ's generosity? If you want to experience God, you don't have to go to a desert island retreat or attend some spectacular event. You simply have to pay attention. Pay attention to God's generosity to you every single day, like having basic meals. It's not a small thing. If this sounds hard to do, and it is for many of us who are so used to just having food readily available, I would encourage you to try the spiritual practice of fasting. Right after teaching the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches on fasting. And it's not a coincidence. He begins with when you fast. Right after teaching on prayer, he teaches on fasting. When you fast. Not if you fast, but when. For Jesus and his followers, fasting and prayer went hand in hand. They were assumed social practices or spiritual practices in their, in their social circles. 
But why? Why, why was fasting such an integral part of Jesus' life and the, um, God's, the life of God's people for so many centuries? Well, mostly because fasting teaches us our dependence upon God, spiritually and physically. If you've never fasted before, I encourage you to try it for your own spiritual growth. I, I promise you, it, um, it will grow you. It will also develop you in a Christ-like empathy for how millions of people live in the world on a daily basis, hungry. Of course, if you've never fasted before, you probably need some guidance, so please do reach out to Pastor Brandon or me. We would be happy to help um, guide you in that. So again, give us our daily bread. It prevents spiritual poverty for us because it reminds us of God's gracious provision every single time we eat. We become more and more connected to God as we become more and more aware of the ways that God is sustaining us. The second way that this petition keeps us from spiritual poverty is by keeping us in the present moment. Some of you might already be thinking about lunch. We're talking so much about lunchtime and bread, right? And you're tempted to fast forward to the to the future, right? But praying, give us our daily bread, is an invitation to stay in the present moment. I think that this is one of the reasons that the pandemic has been so hard for so many of us, and actually a lot of psychologists are writing about it, is because we in the, the West tend to be very future-oriented. We love having our plans and being in control of the future, and a lot of us feel out of control because we have a hard time living day Today, we like to plan out 5, 10, 15 years, and right now it's hard to do that. So this petition, give us our daily bread, it is an invitation to stay present in the moment, to see God working in the moment, to see God's provisions in the moment. We ask, give us our daily bread, not our weekly bread, not our monthly bread, not our five-year plan bread, but our daily bread. Do you know the only place that you can experience God? In the present. God is a living God. You can have memories of experiences with God in the past. You can anticipate experiences of God in the future. But the only place that God will promise to show up to you is in the present. Because God is living and active now. If you want to experience God, you have to stay in the present Give us our daily bread reminds us to stay in the moment. As Jesus teaches later, later in Matthew 6, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. How many of you back in December were worrying about tomorrow, your next summer plans, your whatever plans, and then boom, it changes, right? <laughs> All unexpectedly. It is just a reminder, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring worries of its own, many that you can't even plan for, comprehend. Focus on today. Today's trouble is enough for today. God will meet you there. The Israelites in the desert had to trust Yahweh for their daily manna, just like we are invited to trust God with our daily physical, spiritual, emotional needs. And we don't have to worry. God will continue to meet us, whatever tomorrow brings. And here's the beautiful thing as we close. 
The beautiful thing is when we stop fretting so much about the future, because it takes a lot of mental energy to be fretting always about the future. We have more attention to focus on God's goodness and provision in the present moment. And that connects us deeper with God. There's a beautiful quote by Rebecca Harding Davis that I'd like to share as we close. Rebecca writes this. We are all of us from birth to death, guests at a table which we did not spread. The sun, the earth, love, friends, our very breath are parts of the banquet. Shall we think of the day as a chance to come nearer to our host and to find out something of him who has fed us so long? Shall we think of the day as a chance to come nearer to our host and to find out something of him who has fed us for so long? So as we prepare to go here from today, I encourage you to ask yourself, how do you see God, your host, providing bread in your life, physically and spiritually? Can you develop the eyes and the ears to pay attention? And then how might God be calling you to pray in action by providing daily bread, physically and spiritually, to others who are in need? This, my friends, is the pathway to spiritual fullness rather than spiritual poverty. It is to stay intimately aware of our complete dependence upon God, and that cultivates a heart of gratitude. And it is to stay intimately connected with the needs of the world around us and to offer ourselves as God's instruments of provision. All of this we are praying as we ask, give us this day our daily bread. And our Father, all of this we pray today in gratitude and in service to you that your kingdom may come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.